Okay, it's Orion Tov. We start a new series. We are a little bit less than a month before Pesach, so we're going to be studying the Haggadah. And we're going to be studying a Haggadah that I got a hold of last year, and I just started to get into it. And I said a few Dvar Torahs from this Haggadah, but now I'd like to spend uh, the next three weeks or so, every afternoon, uh, going through the Haggadah called the with the parish Maase Nisim, Acts of Miracles, which is written by Rav Yaakov Lorberbaum of Lisa. Okay, that was an area in uh, uh, Poland, I believe. And he lived in the 1700s and in the 1800s. He's more famous for his commentaries on Shulchan Arach, the Sefer Nesivas Mishpat, and others. We've already learned of once before his commentary on Shira Shirim. So it's a, it's a Sefer, an author we have uh, gotten used to studying with. And he gives a very interesting shatim. So we're going to go with his mahalech. And hopefully, if you take some notes, you'll be able to have some beautiful divrei Torah. And again, we try to get a, not just a word here, a word there, but rather an idea of a theme, a theme that runs through the Haggadah with sub-themes that connect to it. So we have a much deeper understanding or a newer understanding of the Haggadah. And they put out recently a new edition of this Sefer Masa Nisim, and it was published in 2016. Um, and uh, it's put together by a group. I'm not exactly sure what the name of the group is. Uh, but it's got a number of uh, sub-commentaries within it. And the author of the sub-commentaries is Yehoshua Yosef, the son of Reb Chaim Yisrael Goldberg, put out in Yerushalayim in 2016. It's the Masanisim HaChodosh, in case you're looking for this safer in Hebrew. There may be an English translation to it as well. I see Amazon has one. I haven't take, had a chance to order it, but I'm going to give you what we can do for these three weeks. So let's start with the Hakdama, the introduction of the author. And the introduction, the author, and we'll just uh, uh, just say Rabbi Yaakov of Lisa from now on, if we're going to make reference. Um, and by starting off the Sefer, by praising Hashem from choosing us from all the people, but Hashem has given us a greater love from all the nations and in what way he has permitted us to praise him with all kinds of praises even though there are praises that are really speaking about the essential nature of Hashem which generally speaking these are things that we frown upon there's a Gemara in Brachos, that tells us there was someone who once came to lead the services before Rabbi Hanina. And by starting the Amida, he waxed so many praises. Hokel, Hagadol, Hagibor, Vahanoira, Vahadir, Vahazuz, Izuz, Vahayirui, Hechazok, Vahmamitz, Vahvadai, Vahanichbar. 
Nichbad. Whoa, so many praises. And the rabbi waited until he finished saying the praises and said, have you said enough? And he was being very critical. Why do you have so much? We only have three statements and had Moshe Rabbeinu and the Anche Knesset Agdola not established them, we wouldn't say anything. All we could say is Hakel Hagadol Hagibor Vahanoira. That's it. And those are the phrases that Moshe told us to say. And the Anche Knesset Agdola reaffirmed it. And you're going to go starting saying more phrases. And then he gives an analogy to a flesh and blood king who has thousands and thousands of gold coins in his warehouse, and they praise him for the silver coins that he has. That would be a ganai. That would be insulting to praise one for much less than what he has. Okay? And, uh, and that which we think is a praise is really a denigration, as the Rambam and the Moranamuchim explains. And there's a lot of discussion about this. We never really try to describe who God is. The only thing we're really permitted to do is describe what God does. Because we can't know who Hashem is. That's impossible. We only can know Hashem by our describing what He does. And that is the general idea. And we're not excessive in the praises. And with this, we explain a Gemara in Sanhedrin. Gemara and Sanhedrin Daftzadi Beis Ahmed Beis says the following. It says, at the moment that Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, who destroyed the first temple, he deified himself and said everybody should bow down to him. But Hanania, Mishal, and Azariah refused to bow down and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. At that time, Hashem said to Yecheskel, go and revive the dead in the Dura Valley. It's a whole discussion who they are. We're not going to go into that. So Yechezkel revived them. The bones came and struck Nebuchadnezzar on his face. And Nebuchadnezzar said, what's the nature of this? And his servants said to him, they, these are the friend of these three, meaning of Hanani, Mishal, and Zariah, the friend who is Yechezkel, he was reviving the dead in the Dura Valley. And then Nebuchadnezzar begins to open up praises. And he says, how great are his, means Hashem, signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak commented on that story that he says, allegorically, molten gold should be poured into the mouth of that wicked person, meaning they, means that his mouth should be sealed in the course of an extraordinary death. death. Because in deference to royalty, Rabbi Yitzchak suggested that gold should be used to accomplish the task. In other words, he should have been punished. And what's the reason? So he says like this. He says that if an angel had not come and struck Nebuchadnezzar on his mouth to prevent from continuing his praise. So it would have now said the following. Literally it means that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to denigrate all the praises and songs 
that King David said in Tehillim. So what does that exactly mean? What does the Gemara mean that he, he would, you know, the simple meaning would say, in other words, Nebuchadnezzar was trying to overshadow all the songs and praises that David recited in the Book of Psalms. Very difficult to understand. Nebuchadnezzar, he's starting to say praises and there was a Malach who smacked him. Smacked him, he cut down the praises. So what's going on here? So the obvious question that uh, that Rabbi Yaakov of Lisa asks, he says, how is it possible that such a low life like Nebuchadnezzar with a filthy mouth, a filthy um, orientation to life, so removed from holiness, and we could suggest that he could have had sang praises that would have eclipsed David Amelech's praises, that we know that David Amelech's praises were said with Ruach HaKodesh. So says Rabbi Yaakov Elisa, he says, the truth is, again, as we've said, anyone who speaks of God's praises is really insulting God, as we've explained. We're not, you're not able to just go and give God's praises, especially if you want to talk about God's essential nature. It's not your place. Whatever you're going to say, it's, 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 and whatever we think you're saying, that's for sure not what Hashem is. You're going to say, oh, Hashem is the smartest. What do you mean? What, what does that mean? Hashem is strongest. What do you, what do you mean? How does that, what do you, tell me, how strong, you know, we're limiting. However, and that's generally not allowed. And that was Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do. Aye, but what do we find? And here's the beautiful idea. But because Hashem loves the Jewish people and he calls us his children and we're called the children of the living God, you know what? Hashem loves us so much, he will forgo the formalities of his honor. And he gets a lot of nachas, a lot of praise, a lot of pleasure with our praises, even if what we're saying is incorrect praises of Hashem. He gives an analogy to a father who loves his son. Right? You have a little boy, a little son, who isn't so mentally advanced because of his young age. And he speaks words that seem to not be so honorable to the father. You know, as uh, if you remember, you want to date yourself with Art Link letter that kids say the funniest things, you know. And sometimes the kid will think he's complimenting his father, but it's not really a praise at all. He says, oh, Dad, I guess you're, you know, you're smarter than, than a bee. <laughs> Whatever, you killed the bee. Well, I guess, oh, you're stronger than a bee. Well, the father's a lot more stronger. But from the kid's perspective, that's all he knows. So the father's going to be angry. He's going to say, how dare you insult me? It's his kid. His kid's trying his best. He's not coming from a point of saying, I really know who you are, and I'm going to say that you're not so great. It, it's a kid. And a father delights and gets so much knock as all kids. They say the cutest things. And therefore, we have to understand that we are Hashem's children. And the difference between our intellect and God's intellect is like we are little children for sure. And even though in the essential theoretical sense, our praises would be not honorable to God, but his love, love covers up everything. 
And Hashem loves all the praises we say, even if they are inaccurate. However, when it comes to the Russia Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar, he thinks that he can compare his praises to David HaMelech, where David HaMelech also said essential praises of Hashem. But Hashem is not interested in the non-Jews of the world praising him. He doesn't get any joy from them. And Hashem doesn't want to give them the merit of this great gift of praising Hashem even inaccurately, but to enjoy that. That's only he gives this to the Jews. This is the great gift that we have to Hashem. And when the non-Jews give praises to Hashem, really they are using them as definitions of Hashem and the way they understand Hashem, it will be limiting Hashem and it's a disgrace to say this. And that's what it means, Nebuchadnezzar wanted, the Gemara says, Leganos. What does it mean, Leganos? Well, he really was trying to praise Hashem, but in a way that David HaMelech praised Hashem. But when David HaMelech praised Hashem, he says, a child of God. And when we praise Hashem, we never have any intent of limiting. When we look at God as everything, and we love Hashem, and, and to the best of our mind, we want to say what we think Hashem is, even if it's wrong, but it's coming such a love. It's not coming from a uh, uh, an arrogant way of saying, oh, I think I really understand God. And I think God is like this and God is like that. And then you're minimizing God. But remember that little child of us, of ours, who said the, the, the cutest thing, and it's, it's totally not an accurate description of who we are. Imagine a kid says, Dad, do you have five dollars? says, yeah. Oh, you're the richest man in the world. You're going to get angry at him? He's a kid, it's cute. But David Amalek, as smart as he is, and he has Ruach HaKodesh, but this gives pleasure for Hashem. So what the Gemara is saying, that whatever praise that Nebuchadnezzar uh, um, says, I'm going to praise him like David. When you're going to praise like David, that'll be an insult. Therefore the Malach slapped him on the face and said, I don't want you to give me what you think God is. And therefore, you find out that when, what, what did he actually say? He just said that what? He said how great are God's signs and how mighty are his wonders. Nebuchadnezzar got chopped down. I said, I'm only going to discuss what God does. I'm not going to discuss who he is. Okay? And therefore, the first point that we have is that Hashem, as we shall see, allows us to say praises that even describe Hashem. And this happens every day in the Amidah. And had Moshe Rabbeinu not written that in the Torah, we would have no right to say it. It was said through prophecy. Now, oh, isn't it minimizing Hashem? Let it be what it is, but it's coming from a place of love. Hashem says, these are the words you could say. Because remember, if you only tell, talk to a person, you want to have a relationship with somebody. So how do you have a deeper relationship with somebody? By describing what he does or for what he is. You love someone for what they do or for what they are. Which we'll talk more about in tonight's Parsha class for those who can come. 
So really, you, a close relationship is you are this. It's not so much what you do for me, it's what you are. Of course, what you do is important. We're not saying it's not important. When you're having a relationship, you have to have something. Now, now we know it's not correct. It's not correct what we're saying about Hashem. But it gives us a sense of closeness, attachment, and feeling. Knowledge. That Not knowledge, not knowledge. More like feeling and attachment. Because we know we don't know what Hashem is. But we're, but we're saying, Hashem, you are awesome. You are powerful. What do you mean? Do you know anything about God's power? No, but Moshe says you could say these words. I know you need to feel this closeness, Hashem. And Hashem wants to hear your feeling of closeness to Hashem. But when an Anjou is going to start describing, it's nothing to do with feeling closest. They're trying to say, oh, this is how I evaluate God. And no one does evaluations of God. When we say, we're not evaluating God. If Nebuchadnezzar would say it, he's evaluating God. He's big, but you know, he's big, but only so big. When we say big, it's big, and I'm not even using it as any kind of way of describing who Hashem really is. And that gives Hashem a lot of pleasure, and he allows us to do this. Number one. And therefore, the second point is, this is what now happens when we read the whole idea of the Haggadah. Hashem has done so many kindnesses for us. As we say in the Nishmas prayer, that if even if our tongues were like parchments, and you know we had uh, abilities to say praises that were beyond human ability, we couldn't even come to a drop of what the praises of Hashem are. But Hashem still loves of what we do. And specifically when we talk about the exodus from Egypt, which is the source of all the good things that Hashem has done for us, as the commentary will discuss this as we continue learning. And, and therefore, not only does Hashem enjoy it, okay, but Hashem obligated us and made it a positive mitzvah to relate about the miracles and to praise Hashem for everything that we do. Why? Because there's a rule. You get a greater reward for being commanded. Okay? Now, of course, we'll see it a little bit later on. I mean, if there's something uh, you would do anyway, that's nice. I think any of us would praise Hashem anyway, even if it wasn't a mitzvah. But the fact that Hashem makes it a mitzvah, now you get even a reward for this. Okay? And that's the second point he's making. Number one, Hashem allows us to praise Him even though our praises are not intellectually accurate, but He loves any praises we say. Number two, this is what is happening on the Seder night. And Hashem is not only happy that we praise Hashem, because although that's obvious what we should be doing all the time, but he makes it a mitzvah to praise Hashem, so we get rewarded for this. And point number three, he says, but of course, how would we know how to accurately praise Hashem for what happened for leaving Egypt? Is there any way we would really know what we could say? Now, what's interesting is a whole discussion who authored the Haggadah? <clears throat> and the truth of the matter is, the Haggadah was not authored very early on. 
because the Jews themselves, the very first year after they left Egypt, the Southern Pesach, they didn't need a book. They were there. Their kids were there. They just tell them what, what happened. First person uh, experience is the greatest description imaginable. Imagine what happened by that first Seder. It was everything. It was the Makos splitting at a sea, giving the Torah at Sinai. The Seder in the Midbar or only first, the first Seder in the Midbar. That's unbelievable. And Seders for many years were like that. Didn't need a text. But just as we know, and uh, the Malbim has the following theory. And the Malbim says, without going into great detail, he says, just like we know that when we came back from the Gullus, the first Gullus, we had forgotten how to daven. And the rabbis composed of men of the great assembly composed tefillah. So Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, a bit later on, composed the Haggadah. He brings all kinds of proofs. We're not going to go into it. But it makes sense because at that point in time, the Jews were uh, already after the second description of the temple. And it got to a point where we don't even know how to accurately describe that great events. It could be, first of all, because of personal suffering. It's hard to know how to praise Hashem when you were being murdered by people. It's very hard to have that. So you needed great people who understood the depths of Hashem's kindness beyond what we could understand. And they created such a beautiful message in the Haggadah that every chapter is laying down another important understanding of how great HaKadosh Baruch Hu is and another praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, something that we could not do. And says the uh, the uh, Rabbi Yaakov of Lisa, he's saying, and you know what, they have ideas that are well beyond, I'm sure Kabbalistic ideas, incredible ideas, but at least his point in writing the Sefer is to give us all at least some understanding of what the beautiful message is. So we have to feel Seder night is an incredible privilege where we are going to say praises of Hashem non-ending. It's a lot of pages. It's a whole night of praises. Who am I to praise God? Who am I to give definition to God? I don't know how to do that. So just like Moshe said, and Anche Knesset Hagdola came back after the Exodus. And they said, yes, we're going. And, and there was a time when certain prophets didn't want to say that because things were terrible. They said, no, no, this is really our Kelagadola. So probably after the second base of English was destroyed and the horrific consequences came to its total fruition, comes Rabbi Yudanasi, who himself has to write down the oral law, or we'd forget the oral law just as important as the oral law was in terms of Talmud, a uh, mission at least, there's an oral law of the Haggadah. And there were no real words. You can't, you, you can't put it into a book. Once you put it into a book, it's a static thing. It has to be alive. But somehow, Rabbi Nasi was able to write the Mishnayis in a way that kept its vibrancy. So he would keep that vibrancy in the very Haggadah itself. He knew exactly which item should be put in, which shouldn't. And therefore, we now are going to talk about Hashem on a level that we shouldn't have the chutzpah to talk about Hashem. But we rely on the Mesorah 
of the very righteous people, like Revuda Nasi, who had a certain degree of Ruach HaKodesh to a certain extent, to know exactly what to write. And we're not, not only is that we're, we're privileged to express this, but Hashem is mandating it, so we have a mitzvah at the same time, and Hashem is delighting in hearing that. You can imagine when a little kid says, Mani shtana Do you think he really understands the depth of what's going on? And, and every parent, no matter who you are, and your kid doesn't do the greatest job, you got a three-year-old who just goes like, Mani shtana halayla. Just, oh, they're quelling, quelling, quelling. So guess what? As adults, Tashem, doesn't he, compared, compared to Hashem, and we're going to read the Haggadah. Hashem saying, do they really know what they're saying? But they're my kids. I love them. The fact you're just saying it. And then you try to say a little Dvar Torah on it. And it's a beautiful Dvar Torah. But Hashem saying, that's all you could say about me? <laughs> but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I'm having a good time. So Rabbi Yaakov Lisa is saying, this, we have to look at the whole Haggadah from this framework. That Hashem wants to hear this. And as the Zohar says, this is the one night of the year, literally, that Hashem dines with us. So just like when we have a Seder and we want the Bubi and Zaidi to be happy, they have a very important place at the Seder and we want to make them happy. We have, a, we have an older Zaidi, a Kodesh Baruch Hu, so to speak, who wants to hear these beautiful words that we are saying. And Rav Yaakov of Lisa wants to establish this fact so that as he explains things, we will appreciate that which we are doing. And that is, I think, very important because there's a great Yetzirah. What is the great Yetzirah when you come to the Seder, especially if you're in Chutz Laretz, That I've done this Seder for like over 60 years. Okay, what else is there to say? But you got to, and that's sometimes a problem in marriage. You're married a long time. What else is there to say? The answer is you got to realize there's so much. There's so much, no matter what we say, barely scratches the surface. And that's why it's always good to take a new Haggadah and look at it from another angle. There's so many angles. The more you're able to uncover, the more you can appreciate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And, and that's oh, another Seder. But to say the main goal of the Seder is to be filled with love and praise and a moon of Hashem as we will go through all the aspects and to really harp on that and give that over to our children and to know how much Hashem appreciates all this. And this leads us, so that was what is called the Hakdama uh, Samachaber, the introduction. Then we come to what's called the Psicha, the opening. And the opening deals with a very famous question. And we'll leave you with the question as time is running out. Have a few more minutes. He says, that we are doing a mitzvah, we're doing a number of mitzvahs on the night of the Seder. There's a mitzvah to eat matzah. And we make the bracha on eating matzah. There's a mitzvah to eat moror. We make the bracha on eating, on eating the moror. There's a mitzvah of saying over the story of the redemption. You will re relate this to your children. Question is, why is there no bracha 
on the mitzvah of saying the Haggadah. Why don't we start before Kadesh Urchatz, Baruch HaToh Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Elam Asher, Kiddushanu B'mitzvah Yisav V'tzivanu, Lahagid Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim. So it's the mitzvah. No, but why, why don't we have a bracha on this? And he starts, and there's a number of famous answers. One of the famous answers are that uh, the Kiddush that you make when we say Zecher Liyetzias Mitzrayim, that would be the way, uh, that's that's the bracha. Okay, that's an interesting answer, but it doesn't really relate to the telling over the story. It's just a passing statement. Zecher Liyetzias Mitzrayim. Hashem sanctified us, He elevated our tongues, etc. He gave us the mitzvah. But we make Kiddush at every, every meal, don't we? So it doesn't look so unique in terms of being a bracha. So that's a one answer the Rishonim give. Another answer is given, well, it's a missile without a limit. It doesn't have a set limit. And therefore, it's very hard to uh, make a bracha. You make a bracha, okay, I shake a, I make a bracha, shake a love, I shake a love, I'm done. Here, it's not like you're done. It looks like so much to say. And that answer is challenging as well because we have a bracha satora. And there's no limit how much Torah we say. So these answers are a bit uh, challenging. So he begins by explaining a, a couple ideas here. Number one idea is that you have to understand the nature of how is this mitzvah different than the mitzvah of all you. Don't we have a mitzvah every day to remember Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim? The Rambam Paskins. It's in the Shulchan. It's a mitzvah to remember Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim every day. Okay, we'll see in the Agoras, Machlokas, if you say it at night as well. But uh, the, there is a mitzvah. And you have, and we say, Asher Hotseisi Eres Mitzrayim, the third chapter of the Shema. So if we already have a mitzvah every day, what is the uniqueness of the mitzvah of the Seder night? And the answer, and this is another one of the fundamental points, is we're not Yotze just by saying that that's what happened, just by remembering just by saying Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. That's good enough to remember. All year long you have to remember and not to forget. The Torah made a new point on this night that has to be an elegant story. It's like you're telling a story. That's the mitzvah. From the beginning until the end. And that's how you'll see certain parts that God will tell us. From the beginning until the end. And there, what? In English. And it, you don't have to be a slave to the Hebrew text at all. And often, I, when I, a certain crowd, I don't even read the Megillah. I don't read the Haggadah at all. I just tell the story. I tell the ideas. You don't have, but, you know, for those who aren't so talented or just don't put enough effort into it, you know, we have a text. But we have to go to being just like the Megillah. The Megillah was a miracle, and we have to say the Gansa Megillus, it says, from the beginning to the end, don't leave out any details. Now look at this a fortiori argument now. That miracle of the Megillah, we don't have to remember it every day. There's no miss to remember the Megillah day and night the whole year. And yet, we have to mention the whole story on the day of the miracle that happened in every single detail that was necessary for the miracle. 
all the more so for leaving Mitzrayim, which is so much greater that Hashem commands us to remember it day and night. Isn't it for sure that we should tell the story over in a very long way of expressing it? And the whole idea when the Torah says, V'higadatolabincha, what does the word magid mean? So later on in the Haggadah, he will give us a comment from uh, um, the Shaloh HaKadosh, who says that Haggadah is the expression of Hamshachas Hadibur, extended speech, which really means, as we'll see later, it's a persuasive speech. He will explain by the She'enu Yodei Elisha, the one who doesn't want to ask. He's going to say, you have to say it over so good to the She'enu Yodei Elisha that he'll know how to answer the Russia. That's how good you have to tell him the story. It's not just facts and figures. It's get the person totally emotionally into it and it becomes part of his ex- an experiential event that he can never forget it and he'll have such clarity in this. And that's where you find the same expression when they mentioned to Yaakov that Yosef was still alive. It says, Vayagidu lo. They told him, Vayagidu agodam. Oh, Yosef, hi. What does it mean? They didn't come and just surprise him. Yosef's alive. They would have died. They brought the whole thing a little bit slow. We went down. We did this. We did this. And then this. And then this. And then it came out. It was Yosef still alive. You, so this is the real idea of the Haggadahs. We have to create a live experience. And it's something we should want to do anyway because we experienced it. And this is the real mitzvah to create mamish. We all went out of Egypt and even the the most uninformed Jew will be able to intellectually speak about this. We still have to yet answer why we don't make a bracha on this. Mitzvah Shem, that will come tomorrow. Thank you.